Thank you so much for listening to series one of the Media Careers podcast. We've had such amazing feedback and it's been brilliant to hear how the advice and guidance from our guests has supported and inspired you so much. I also just wanted to flag the show notes to you again. There are direct contact links to our guests within them, as well as links to other companies and organisations who can support and guide you further. So please don't forget to check those out as well. And finally, I have one small favour to ask you. Please could you press the small button to either follow or subscribe to the podcast so we can reach even more people who can hear from these amazing media professionals. Thank you so much and I really hope you enjoy series two. Our guest today has worked in the film and television industry for over three decades. She attended Redditch College where she gained an HND in business studies and she also trained at Central TV in Nottingham on its script supervisor course specialising in drama production. Emma Thomas is a script supervisor and has worked on over 55 productions across the industry having started as a clerk typist in the Elstree office of The Muppet Show through to covering second unit and splinter units on films such as Star Wars, Tenant and Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. Emma's also been a Women in Film and Television member for 20 years and a former board member too. In 2019, she was honoured with a BAFTA in recognition of her work as a script supervisor, but also for her efforts to mentor and support the next generation of talent. Emma, welcome to the Media Careers Podcast. Thank you very much, Carrie. After so long, it's lovely to chat to you. Lovely to chat to you too. So Emma, let's start at the beginning. Can you remember your earliest memory of the media industry? If I'm honest, no, in relation to what I'm doing at the moment. Okay. I mean, yes, when you're young, you're watching all the programmes and things with your family, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. Probably my interest wasn't really peaked until... Um, my sister went to drama school and I was going to secretarial college and I tell everybody this story, she was having more fun. <laughs> so I thought, oh, right, okay. Um, so, yeah, so she used to come home with all the different stories about what they'd learned, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, oh, great. You know, I was at secretarial college typing, you know, whatever it was. I did 25 words per minute. <laughs> so my, my stories weren't as exciting. However over the years as she progressed through her career. Then I, obviously I went and supported her and, you know, whatever it was, turned up at, you know, TV shows and things, et cetera, et cetera, and going to the theatre. Sometimes obviously get there a bit early, they'd be doing run-throughs. I thought, well, this is quite interesting. I don't particularly want to be, you know, in front of the camera. So from then, when I went to a TV show many, many years ago, in the studio where they had studio audience, it was just fascinating to see how many people were involved with just one programme. And so what led you to go to see the TV studio? Was that through your sister or was that just... Well, I was just sort of joining everything and anything. I'm not even sure that she was in that show at the time. It was just that they were those were the sort of opportunities um, to sort of go and see a TV show. You know, I think you could write in and say, I want to be part of the audience. Yeah, so, well and also... Um, our parents were, you know, it was all about education, 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 which I'll keep repeating through this podcast. Okay. And, and um, was that from a young, early age, Emma? What were you... What oh, were yes. You, yeah, yeah. What were you yeah. like as, my, a, as a child? Yeah, because my, what, the reason my parents came to the UK, my father was in the Royal Air Force. He wanted a better life for his family. You know, the rest is history. And, you know, you're not going to waste your education. If I've given up living in my home country to come to Britain then, you know, that, that that's what you're here for. So, 
you know, for all of us, further education wasn't a discussion. It was you're going. Pick okay. your subject and you're going. <laughs> all right? Yeah. Yeah, and I well, and that kind of makes sense, doesn't it? That you, you know, you've given yeah. your life so that you're going to make the most of the opportunities that are here. A- absolutely. Yeah. And you, so, what, and what subjects were you interested in when you? Were you were a young person, either at primary school well, or secondary it, it school? Well, it was all, I suppose, because I was a bit OCD. Yeah, OCD. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't realise that's what I would need as one of the skills uh, further on in my life. So I liked I liked filing and, you know, putting all my records in order. And you were meticulous. Were yeah, and, and, you know, the, the rough book at school was actually quite neat, all that sort of stuff. I didn't know that was what was the things that I was going to be using later on in life. And then the other thing, which is always fun, and I always want my um, great niece and nephews to do, is to do spot the difference. You know, in the newspaper, they'd have two little pictures and you try and do, you know, has that one got a hat on or not? Usually takes you like five minutes or 30 seconds on the train on the way to somewhere. I don't even think they do them anymore. But the next part of that... uh, uh, for my great nephew is I found a book called Where's Wally? And those are sort of the skills. If you like, enjoy doing that, when you're on set, you'll be looking for things that are in the frame or not in the frame or supposed to be on the set or not on the set. It all just gets the brain working in a slightly different way. Yeah. Although I didn't know that when I was eight, when I was doing no. puzzles. No, so you were, were you aware that that, was a skill set that you had at that age that actually this was something specific that you might be able to use later or was it just not a no no just find something to do when your parents told you go out and play yeah and it was raining you found something else to do didn't you yeah yeah puzzles and bits and pieces and all that sort of stuff and were you you academic emma um i had to go back and do another year to pass the a-levels uh, and GCs to the standard that my parents required, oh. I think is the <laughs> is the way to put it. So t- talk me th- through your trajectory then. So you did your A levels, and then what happened? Didn't get offered that many jobs. So you went you straight to try and get be, a job. At yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't particularly. It was yes, get in the industry any way you can, but actually the priority was get a job. Yeah. So when I came out and I got all the required A-levels and bits and typing 100 words per minute, da-da-da-da-da-da. Your parents I'm going to be a secretary. Yeah, I'm going to be a secretary with an HND in business. So that will give me, hopefully, the extra step up. And so I didn't really get offered that many jobs, but the one that was most interesting was secretary to an accountant in a place called ATV. Okay. which was associated television company run by Lou Grade. Okay. So guess what I was doing? That's where I was going. Amazing. So that really is the start. And what they told me also was that if you can get your foot in the door, which is what I tell young people today, get your foot in the door and then find the bits that you want and then you'll have new discoveries. So you knew at that point that you wanted to be in the television industry. You'd gone to see this TV show. You kind of was, your interest was sparked. So when this- Yeah, yeah. All I knew was I didn't want to be that side of the camera. How can I use the skills that I've got in order to be involved with this industry? Didn't know specifically about script supervision. They were called production assistants then. But when I did work for this accountant, you know, 
and he knew that I wanted to get into the more creative side, shall we say. So the good thing is, so I was with him for like, I don't know, 18 months, two years, kept applying, kept applying, didn't get this this training scheme. It would be training right from scratch as a script supervisor. um, And you would have a chance to be on every type of program. And then afterwards, if it suited, you go to drama, you could go to sports, light entertainment. I'd applied for this loads of times I got shortlisted and they said uh okay you didn't get the training but the woman that did works in the Muppet office do you want to come to Elstree take her place as a clerk typist and so when anybody asked me how did you get started in the industry I go my first boss was a puppet and I answered the fan mail for Kermit the Frog Amazing. You've got to start somewhere. You did. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, what, what, what a what a better place to start than yes, with, yes. for Kermit the Frog. Kermit the Frog. Yeah. What's I don't know tra- if my parents were that happy as like, my first boss is a puppet. <laughs> it sounded better when they were telling the relations that she works for an accountant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that does, there is a slight difference there. Yes. There? Yeah. Yeah. What's interesting about that though is, had you not been applying for the traineeship scheme that you didn't get on you wouldn't have then had the opportunity at Elstree it's almost like that resilience to keep going and keep trying didn't necessarily open the door that you wanted but it opened another door and then and then that that exactly exactly because you just don't you just don't know so if you can least find the the area that you want to get into get your foot in the door I mean you know there's quite a few people start as a runner they start as a director's assistant whatever which department because there are so many departments that are not really talked about until you see on set loads of stuff going on behind the scenes you know the art department every sort of you know if it's a period drama every handwritten piece of um you know parchment that is used for this somebody has to do it so if your skills are you know calligraphy you've got a job in tv so you get your job with Kermit. <laughs> I get my job with Kermit, yes. <laughs> and then and then what happens? You Because you did do this script supervisor course at Central TV, didn't you? So did that come up? Oh, afterwards? okay. So I still hadn't got any formal, what I would call formal training. So to sweeten the pot, they then said, are you prepared to move to Birmingham? Okay. Apply for the training scheme again. Yes. Again, didn't get the training scheme but got the job in the uh, Tiswas office, the mad Saturday morning show with Chris Tarrant, Lenny Henry, and I'm off to Birmingham in the hope that I get there, the next training scheme that comes up, because it's only every year, 200 people apply for two places. So now I'm now a production secretary. I've got my stripes, but there was still that, you know what, I think I'm going to be really good at being as it was then a production assistant, script supervisor, and I'm still going to keep going. And then eventually got the interview. Yes, you've got the job. You have to move to Nottingham. Okay, then. And that's what I did. And then the training scheme. That's incredible. So how long do you think roughly it was between your first application for that training scheme to when you actually got your place? Sounds like it could have been four or five years. 1980 when I actually got to the Muppets. Wow. 86 probably. And five, then went six, freelance six. in 88. 
That's yeah. a really significant amount of time to keep your passion and focus on going, I'm going to, I'm gunning for this. I'm not giving up. I'm going back. Yeah, because I, I, I think it's it was nine months training scheme and you got paid. Yeah. So, you know, they were never going to take that away from you, so to speak, once you're in it. And, and also you got, you would have, as we did, you got to work on every type of programme. So it required the nine months, hence 200 people yeah. going for two places a year. Yeah, amazing. But I was glad because it was fun on the way. And so after your, your script supervisor course, what, what, what was in the transition to getting your first job within that role? So the last a bit of my training was on a drama and in fact, the official training finished before I was due to go on to my next show. So what I just said to them was, let me stay, finish so I can see this drama that I'm working on with my head script supervisor. So probably my training was probably like 10 months because then I was able to follow her through, go to the edit, see all the stuff. And that really is what is, for me, the most important bit because... That, that teaches you what to panic about on set and what not to panic about and what you can get away with. And that was that was probably one of my better, I say better decisions. It's just that they were able to say yes. As long as they said yes, I kept going. Once I got the training, I could work out, right, much as I loved, you know, this bit, this bit, the drama was the one that kept me going. That was the one that really caught your passion. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So that when I went freelance, you know, anything I could do with sort of drama, a couple of corporates and things like that, but that was really it. And so when did you go freelance? Because I think we think, or you, I think we we don't appreciate how many freelancers there are in the industry that keep yes. the film and television industry alive. So how did you know when to make that decision to go, right, okay, I've got all my training, I've done a few jobs, and now I've got enough contacts and I've got a big enough network that I know that I can then work as a freelancer in the industry? So I thought, well, I'll just keep my head, you know, I'll keep my head down, carry on. And then there was an opportunity um, for a staff job at Yorkshire TV. Okay. Which I got, I wasn't expecting to, I just wanted to test the water, thinking this, that and the other. Well, that was one of my big mistakes ah. because I got up there and they put me on Emmerdale Farm, as lovely as the show is. I don't do farms, really. And, uh, you know, continuity of cow's left ear and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> it wasn't really for me. I should have gone freelance straight away. I got scared. They offered me a staff job. I took it. The probationary period was three months. And basically, at the end of the three months, I said, you've been absolutely fantastic. Everybody up here, I'm going freelance. And then... I went back to Central because there was a group of staff people who were going to go freelance, lots of different departments, and they were making a film. It was all the Boone people. I don't know if you, do you remember Boone, Michael yeah. Elphick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, they, and they were looking for a script supervisor. And so that was my opportunity. I said, are you sure? Because I haven't done a feature film. They went, no, it's great. Yeah. And then, yeah, just so I stayed at Central as a freelancer got more opportunities yeah yeah so you know it's friends looking after you as well is a important and then you're what I want to say to sort of the listeners is that you never know where that next job's coming from and it doesn't necessarily 
even if there's one or two people say that, that, that are not your favourites or you don't get on with, but they can still see you as a professional, uh, you will get recommended for work. And there have been one or two surprises where I thought, are you sure that person recommended me? I didn't really get on with them or I kept, you know, kept my distance. You know, you, you can still get that recommendation. And I always try to find out who did it as well, yeah. unless they want to be anonymous. Yeah, that's so really... everybody that's listening, if they want to be in this industry, people have got very, very long memories. Mm-hmm. And I think that network of contacts is just so important, isn't it? And then yeah. keep keeping up your reputation on the job that you've done, the standard of work that you yeah. deliver to ensure that you keep getting recommended for Absolutely. Well, that again, well, Carrie, that's one of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast with you. How long have we known each other? A long time. Exactly. So, you know, there's no reason why if I can fit it in, of course, whatever I need to do. And and those are the relationships that you build over a number of years. Yeah. Um, So basically it was a no brainer. Yeah. So look, Emma, I really want to ask you, what is script supervisor? What does that actually mean? Like you've said production assistant, but what, what... what does that mean when you're actually on set or before set? Like, talk us through from when you get that call saying, Emma, can you do this job? What does that actually involve? Uh, okay, I'll give you the succinct one. So when I get the phone call, the, the money's attached, the actors are attached. And depending on whether it's a feature film or a TV series, first thing that I would get once the deal is done, very important, once the deal is done, <laughs> I'll ask for the scripts. And the first thing that they want from me is a timing of the script, even though in film it doesn't really matter. But surely, you know, I'm sure when uh, Steve Gurka was uh, timing Oppenheimer, this will date this podcast now, wasn't sitting there going, this is four hours long and Christopher Nolan was talking to him. But anyway, essentially for TV, they need to know, is it underrunning or is it overrunning? If it's underrunning, you need to tell the writer to have something up their sleeve. If it's overrunning, you need to tell the writer, what are you prepared to trim or keep, we'll keep an eye on it once we start shooting? And I give a sort of scene by scene breakdown. And that could probably, depending on what it is, it could take me up, up to a week yeah, just to do three 40 minute or three 50 minute sort of, um, TV shows. Okay. So once you've done the timing, you send that off, everybody's happy. And I always say the timings are only a guide because how do you time the army marched over the hill <laughs> or they make love? Yeah. It. Yeah. Is that one minute, two minutes, 10 minutes? The program is only 30 or the program is only 45. So I always put, believe it or not, 30 seconds or a minute just as a guide going, once we get started, this will get adjusted, just to give them something. So it's a breakdown, scene by scene. It's a page turn for me. I'll time it. I might actually walk around my living room playing all the characters out loud. Amazing. My neighbours probably think I'm a bit mad, so I keep my curtains closed. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to see a video of you doing that. Oh, yes. That's <laughs> never going to happen. <laughs> but it is nice trying to play all the characters. And and that is really useful. So if it's with actors that you've worked with before, you've got an idea. If it's new up and coming actors, you're not quite sure. But you know, it's all preparation. Preparation. Mm-hmm. You'd have, I would have gone through and done a script breakdown 
So I've got the timings now. I'm going through each scene, and so is the first AD. We're matching up to see the story days and all that sort of stuff. If it's a period drama, somebody put something in, King of Spain in 19 da-da-da. Actually, he wasn't. It was like two years earlier. So we're all making a contribution, all the production team, contribution, costume, makeup, make sure that all the bits that are in the script are sort of going to gel together. And then we'll all sort of send uh, little bits of information out to each other. Um, so once all that's sort of done, the director's seen, the producers, everybody's happy, the writer's happy. We're into various production meetings and then like whatever it is, Monday, Sunday, you're going to start shooting. As I said, everybody in each department have all done their own continuity breakdowns. Makeup, they've got a list of which actor has got which injury or which costume. That's great on day one. Because what you're then doing is starting to build up the continuity. They've got their breakdowns. I've done mine. But I will update my continuity Bible based on what we actually shoot, regardless of what it says in the script. Okay. And then that is what I'm tracking through. And we'll go with all the departments and we'll all have, you know, as much conversation as we possibly can to make sure. And then further down the line, if an actor says, oh, look, you know, I really, really don't want to have my coat on. Will it be OK? Well, I'll, I'll say, look, we've already shot because we shoot things out of story order. We've already shot that bit. How about if it looks like, you know, you're just putting it down on the side? We can dress, They call it, you could dress, say, the jacket uh, in the room so we know that when we were doing the exterior, yes, they had a coat on, but actually as they come through the door, they can be taking it off. That's that's minutiae now, but it's all about preparation. And as much preparation as you can get allows for any changes then on the day. What strikes me about that is something that you said earlier, which is about the OCD, like the 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 kind of habit that you had as a child, actually, as you, you indicated. It's critical in this role, right? If you're looking at all of those details and staying across all of those departments, to then remember all of that information and to spot it on set, that isn't that is really attention to detail, isn't it? Ah, but but we are a team. Yeah. So the props department, you know, we we everybody's doing a bit. We're all helping each other. And also, as we go through and where possible, the director will say, look, you know what, I like to take one, take two is okay but let's try and match everything to the first time they did it because the energy or something is much better. And it really is minutiae. Having said that, though, if you've got, whether they're young actors, old actors, whatever, but they have just done the emotional performance of a lifetime, but they were holding that spoon in the wrong hand. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I feel a bit sick thinking about it. <laughs> well, there you go, you see. So you go, right, do I st- do I nudge the director and go, don't even start the three-minute tape that they're going to do because they did so well in rehearsals. Don't do it, don't do it. Or if the director's that type of person, because it's all about personalities, I've got to gauge whether you know, this is going to work, or we're short of time. It doesn't matter about the spoon because they can cut round it or something or whatever. So I think it's that minutiae. Performance, always go for performance. Yeah. You can always, I'm not saying, you know, they've only done one master take and they've always had the spoon in the right hand. It's going to be difficult later on and you'll explain that. 
but as long as the director is aware and the and the director of photography is aware we try to go around it but it will always be well from my point of view a performance and if we can get around the continuity it's not life and death and we all know everybody spotted mistakes on tv they even slow them down and do whole programs of them now <laughs> i'm glad Thank to you. say none of them of mine are on there yet <laughs> very good emma <laughs> <laughs> and Emma, how do you get to learn about what attributes you need on set? I'd say personalities, certainly for us, stamina and concentration. So, you know what, if you've had a bad trip into work, you've got to sort of park it at the door, really, and come in and stay as focused as you can. We're all human. And then at the end of the day, when there's that stress and there's the director, there's only 15 minutes, we've got to get, you know, another sort of five shots in, et cetera, et cetera, which we know we're not going to do. That's when you're going to be calm yeah, or try to be. Yeah, yeah, amazing. <laughs> Every day is different. And that's why I've said there are different skills required for different productions and different people, which I think is a, a life skill. Yeah, I think it is. And I think um, that ability to read the room is really yeah. important, isn't it? That's what you're, yeah. That's essentially what you're doing. You're interpreting, yeah. as you said, all the personalities, the you know, the time that you're working to. What have you got to get done today? What's the atmosphere like? And yeah, and making that all work as yeah. easily as yeah. possible. Emma, what? Is, this is so fascinating. But um, I was going to ask about your days. How long are your days on set? Because you talked about stamina. Are they? Is there a standard pattern or is that just a crazy um, so, pattern? So at, the, so at the moment we're working, uh, we have to be ready and on set at 8am. Uh, we have a 30 minute break, semi-continuous working day, they call it. And then we finish on set at six. Okay. But if I haven't got an assistant, then I've probably got another hour's worth of notes just to sort of collate, catch up, to send to the editor and that, that that's mainly what you're you know you're providing so look emma i just wanted to uh move on and say congratulations on your bafta that you won i just i'm so delighted that you were honored in that way and i just couldn't get through this podcast without mentioning that beautiful moment in time for you so huge congratulations thank you very much what what was that like receiving that BAFTA it must have been wonderful for for you well, family uh, friends it, uh, absolutely that I think the the worst bit was not being able to tell anybody for two months well huge congratulations it's amazing um, the other thing that I wanted to talk to you about Emma was women in film and television so I know a bit about this but perhaps lots of the listeners won't do you've been a member of the organization for a long time and also been on the board would you like to just tell the listeners a bit about the organization and what it does and and how they can get involved as well so i sort of joined women in film tv to also meet other people but not necessarily script supervisors or crew the mentoring scheme is absolutely amazing but also for me women in film and tv helped me to speak in public because i hated speaking in public the nice thing about being a script supervisor, you can sort of hide behind the director, do all your notes quietly and not have to talk to very many people unless mm. you need to. It's an organisation that if you give something back, you'll be surprised at what comes back to you as well. Um, well look, Emma, I could talk to you all day. <laughs> you have so much <laughs> wisdom and knowledge to share. But what advice would you give to people looking to get into the film and TV industry? And, and I suppose specifically this role. Okay. Um, I would say 
I think I get, I've given you a list. This is, the, this is, I always tell anybody that thinks or they want to know what I do. It's a seven minute video by Martha Pinson, who used to be Martin Scorsese's um, script supervisor. Mm-hmm. She just puts it all succinctly and it takes no time at all because everybody's always looking at, you know, um, and that will give you the minutiae of what script supervisors in drama are looking for on a set. And then really you, you, you're going to sort of get your foot in the door. And because um, unless you're working on major feature films where they have a main unit script supervisor, an assistant and a trainee, and those jobs, that, that trio is like gold dust, but get in wherever you can. I mean, if you've got a particular interest in, say, horror, find the TV company that makes more horror film because you've already got an advantage. Yeah. So I, I forgot you do need to have something outside of your life to keep you grounded. And mine is jazz, funk and soul music. Yeah, I think that's really important to say, actually. Yes. It could be very easy just to go from job to job to job. And uh, just, yeah. And miss yeah. The, the rest of the beauty of life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Emma, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a joy talking to you and good luck with the film that you're on now and look forward to seeing what you do next. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Carrie. We go back a long way. Here we are. (laughs) Bye, Emma. Bye.